We've been talking about faith on Sunday morning. We're going to continue in that theme for the next several weeks. Let me remind you what James says. He says, faith without works is dead. Dead faith is no faith at all. You believe and you act upon the belief. And at some point, great people of faith determine to take God at his word. They determine to see life through the lens of God's word. And they begin to act, conduct themselves by faith in what God's word says. Now I know a lot of manipulative things are being said today about faith. A lot of trivial things are being said today about faith. But true faith is based on hearing God speak and acting on it as we see, as we will see in our passage today. The Bible is the revelation of God to mankind and is good for all time. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Father, we thank you for your word today, and we want to be heirs of the righteousness that comes by faith. We want to be men and women who set our life's course by your word because we know we can trust you and trust your word. Today, Father, in, in the word that we share, I pray it would encourage your, your, your people. I pray it would call us to, to servanthood in, in your kingdom. I pray, Father, that it would call us to salvation. So help us to be clear today and help this word to be clear today. In Jesus' name, amen. The book of Hebrews was aimed at showing the complete work of Jesus and our dependence on him and him alone. Some think the book was written to Jewish priests who had become believers. It's definitely written to combat the legalistic view of the day of some who were saying that mankind had to keep the Old Testament law to receive the grace of God that was offered in the New Testament. As we come towards the end of the, of the book, chapter 11 presents the call to faith. It uses the lives of the patriarchs of the Old Testament to show us how their life and their action aligned with their belief in God's, in God's word and God's speaking to them. Faith that is filled with action. So what about you? Is your faith filled with action? The very beginning of this chapter, it talks about Abel and, and, and Enoch, and we've mentioned those, but now we come to this third character of faith, uh, Noah, and we can read Noah's full story in Genesis chapter 6, which, by the way, has absolutely nothing to do with the Hollywood version of Noah. 
Genesis chapter 6 verse 5 said, says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. However, in the midst of this, God did find one man, which is good news for us because it shows that God does not condemn everyone, no matter how corrupt the majority may be. He's going to look at you as an individual. He's going to see your heart. And in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Here's the situation in Noah's day. We are to- and we're told that in the end times, the end times before Christ returns, that the days are going to be like Noah's day. Wickedness in Noah's day is on the increase. In fact, it is swept through the world to the extent that the only one who really has a heart for God is Noah. It says that in this wickedness, every intention of the heart leans towards evil, goes towards selfishness and against righteousness. And it says that the thoughts of the mind, the mind leans towards evil. There's moral corruption even in the thinking of man. See, when the heart and mind mind lean towards evil, the heart and mind are convinced that they're right, that they're doing the right thing. And mankind becomes completely corrupt. Our feelings and our reasoning has to have a compass of God's Word to direct our steps or we easily fall into the corruption of the day. The heart then begins to debate for that, to do that and to participate in that which the righteous heart and the righteous mind, the heart and the mind founded in God's Word would would instinctively know is wrong. All inclination to right has been, been lost. All conviction can be gone. And we don't even know it. We're just walking in the evil of the day. This is a warning. Does my heart match God's word? In the middle of this, God finds Noah a righteous man. Now we know that none are righteous. We know that we find our righteousness in Jesus and in him alone. But once we put our trust in Jesus, once we put our trust in God, he begins to reorder our heart. And Noah had a tendency, his heart was still leaning towards what is righteous. Now what does that look like? The Bible gives us several examples of things that helps us know what a righteous heart looks like. We talked about one of them extensively in, in, uh, in, in the months of April and May when our heart actually begins to love other people, all people. No matter what race they are, no matter what they've done to us, that our heart begins to want the best for other people. That it actually overcomes the actions of other people. It actually overcomes 
the abuses of the past, and we begin to want the best for others. Our heart towards others is changed, and we move from being cold-hearted to warm-hearted. We move from being selfish to being a people who want to be used to do good for others, that our hearts stop thinking about us and starts thinking about what were we created to do to do good things for others. That this is one of the inclinations of the righteous heart. The selfish heart, the unrighteous heart, doesn't care about others and in some cases hates others, despises others. But the righteous heart wants good things for others. We lean towards, number two, the Bible teaches that we lean towards morally right actions. That instead of being morally corrupt, we become a people who lean towards those things that are right to do. We don't excuse them away, but the heart beats for it. Now, the, the importance of that is conviction. Conviction as a good thing in our life. Conviction as a boundary in our life that when we would be tempted by our flesh or tempted by the world to step into things that are morally corrupt, that the conviction of our spirit because of righteousness, because of the presence of God dwelling in us, would push us away from those things. If you go around the world and you study history, you read about cannibals. You read about headhunters. You, you read today about sex traffickers or slave traders. And I would remind you today that, that all of these people in the course of their action feel comfortable and justified in what they're doing. They don't put their head on the pillow at night and go, I shouldn't have done that. They put their head down at night proud of what they've done and of what they've achieved. Now, I'm using an extreme here. I'm using an extreme here to warn us of the common. If people can do things so extreme and not feel conviction in their natural being that this is wrong, then how easy is it for all of us to find common things in our life that would really be morally corrupt and to justify them, and to not feel condemned by them. This is why we need the Word of God being fed into our lives. We need the Word of God to be fed into our lives to combat the pressure and the influence of the culture what, that we live in from forming us into its outcome instead of being formed into God's outcome. And the more we bring the Word of God into our life, the more we open our heart to the Word of God, the more we put faith in the Word of God and say, if God says it, it must be true. If God has written it, there's a reason He's written it to us and He said it to us. And we must trust it. This is where the heart can become a morally righteous heart when it's following the leanings of the Word. The righteous heart is troubled by wickedness. The righteous heart is not entertained by wickedness. The righteous heart is troubled by wickedness. We read about this again in 2 Peter chapter 2, 
when, when Lot is in Sodom and Gomorrah and judgment, as we know, comes upon Sodom and Gomorrah. But Peter writes about it this way. He says, and if he rescued, listen, righteous Lot. Now, why was Lot righteous? It goes on, greatly distressed by the sensual conduct of the wicked. For as that righteous man lived among them day after day, he was tormenting his righteous soul over their lawless deeds that he saw and heard. When the heart is righteous, when the heart has the inclination of God inside of it, it doesn't find the unrighteous, the acts of the evil or the wicked to be entertaining. It doesn't find them to be enticing. But the heart is troubled. The heart is tormented. The heart is broken by the things that it sees around them. And here's the fourth thing that we find in the Word. The righteous have a heart of worship. The heart of worship is a life of putting God in first place in their life. We come in here today and we sing which should be an expression of our faith in God, should be an expression of our love for God, should be an expression of how we live our life for God. But at the end of the day, the heart of worship is the heart that puts God in first place in all things of life. We've got to judge our heart. Purity is this pure desire to serve God and to know God, to seek after him and to live in a way that is pleasing to him. The righteous honors God with his life and his actions. Abel, as we've talked in the last few weeks, brought the first fruits of his flock to sacrifice to worship God. He saw God as his provider. He saw God as the one who, took, who gave him life. And he brought the very first fruits of his flock to, to offer to God as a, as, a, as a way to honor God and to say thanks to God. And God took it and took his heart and saw it as righteous and commended him for his heart that wanted to put God first. The heart of worship obeys God's instruction. Noah obeyed God for 100 years in the midst of increasingly an increasingly wicked generation. Noah goes about the business of building an ark that God told him to build. Now, this is not by a seaport. This is hundreds of miles from the closest water that that ship could float on. This thing is 500 feet long and 87 feet wide up in a place that there's no way to transport it from where he's building it to the nearest water. Noah took God at his word Listen, when there was nothing else to lean on but his word. He looked at it in the midst of what didn't seem to make sense and said, God's told me to do this. I'm going to do it. Just the word of God. The Noahs of each generation 
have been men and women who simply took God at his word. They are men and women who simply decide that they're going to follow God's instruction. That what God says is right is right. What God says is wrong is wrong. What God tells them to do is what they're going to do. Men and women who become the Noahs of their day are men and women who have stood against the, the tide of their day, whether that was slavery, whether that was racism, Whatever the tide of the day was, they have stood against that tide if God's word was against that tide. They have traveled to far off countries to preach the the word when it would have been easier and safer for them to stay at home. They have laid aside careers to pick up callings. They have taken strangers into their home and cared for them and ministered to them as Christ would tell them, Uh, to do. They have dressed differently. They have not participated in the actions that the world would consider okay or fun or enjoyable. They have turned to what is righteous. They have been men and women who have been faithful to church. They've cleaned up their language. They face the ridicule and mocking of the world around them. They have returned love for hate, blessings for curses. Old friends and families that have mocked them, they've loved them through the middle of it. They have gone against the tide of the day because they have listened to the voice of God. They have heard the voice of God and obeyed. They've earned the title of man and woman of God, and their reward is in heaven, and this earth is not their home. The heart of faith obeys God, trusting him for his promised outcome. What do you want to be? What are you convinced of? Acting, uh, as we act in faith, I want to remind you, faith costs us something. Faith doesn't always fit in with what seems right in the day. It may cost you reputation on earth. It may cost you position with people. But the call is to live by faith. The acts of the righteous condemn the world that observe them. Just like Cain could not simply ignore Abel or even better yet become a man like him, the wicked heart wants to destroy the heart of the righteous. The wicked heart wants to prove that the person who's living by God's word is wrong. So for 100 years in the face of what seemed ridiculous in the face of what seemed insane Noah went on building it seemed like something so out there so unbelievable that nobody on that side of it thought it could be true except Noah who put his trust in God's word This is the call for men and women of faith to understand that in the days that we live, in the hours that we live, there will be those who will not understand, who do not choose to see and to to obey God, who do not choose to hear his voice. But when you hear his voice, that say, you know what? In spite of everything that goes against this, I'm going to trust God. This is the call of faith.
Friends, I want to tell you, it's not about driving new cars every year. Real faith isn't about us becoming rich Americans. Real faith is about us obeying God. Real faith is about us trusting God's Word. Real faith is about us following after Him when the world doesn't understand. Today, faithful men and women continue to come to church, continue to say immorality is wrong, continue to stand against the flow of the day, continue to believe that all will stand before God or that Christ Christ will return, continue to believe that God's word is a standard for right and wrong. The world doubts and the world at time mocks, and there's times when it seems like we're building an ark way inland, Way away from what, it, and the, the world looks at it and doesn't get it and doesn't understand it, but we have heard the voice of God resonate in our spirit, telling us that his word is true, that we can count on him, that we can believe in him. And real men and women, in spite of what all the things around them say, in spite of what all the tide of the world says, aside from what all the world would say is right and wrong, goes, nope, God's word is true. And I will trust God's word. Today, when the faithful face a world that mocks and condemns, it keeps building their lives on the promises of God's word. When the flesh calls us to live another way, it pushes the flesh aside and continues to follow God's word. Today, the faithful continue to say there's but one way to heaven when all the world would tell us there's many ways to heaven. Faith requires us to put our trust in the Word of God and to act based on God's Word. People of faith continue to, be, to build the eternal ark for their, for, for, their, for their trust in God for all eternity as they build their faith in Him. So, are you going to seize your day? This is our day upon the planet. These are our hours to walk before God in faith. These are our moments to live and to decide what we believe and decide who we're going to follow. Are you going to seize this hour and say, you know what, as for me and as for my house, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him and do what he says. Are you going to follow the calling that God puts on your life? Are you going to do the work that God would call you to do? Are you going to turn from the evil that God would tell you to turn for? This is your hour to choose if you're going to live by faith. Nobody can do that for you. No one can force you into that. You've got to determine, I'm going to trust God or your actions will prove that you don't. That you don't. This happens every day. Now, okay. Uh, Are you ready to hold on and get, get, get set here? Now, some of you are new. You're not going to understand this. That's okay. Be patient with us. Do you have faith in God? Do you trust him? We received an offering a few minutes ago. Did you prove it? Did you act in faith? 
Did you give in faith? Those who trust God, honor God, want to build the kingdom of God, obey God. I don't pound away at this every week, and I know this is a stretch for some of you who are new Christians. You know, we've had about 130 people saved from the first of the year this year. And so for some of you, this is fairly new. But let me ask you, is tithing a bigger stretch to believe than building an ark? Which is the bigger stretch? That God's our provider and meets our need? And that we invest in eternity when we give? We talk today about what your giving goes to, and we should rejoice in that, and we can talk about the rewards that come, and we will in the, in the months ahead. But is God's word something less important today than it was in Noah's day? See, in, in this aspect of giving, God tells you, to, he tells us, test me in this. Try me in this. See if it's true. See, he says, see if I will not uh, throw open the floodgates of heaven and bless you and bless your family. Have you put God to the test? So it doesn't make sense. Does building an ark make sense? Hundreds of miles from the nearest lake or ocean or sea? When God calls us to do things many, many times, they don't make sense in the kingdom of this earth. They only make sense in the kingdom of God. Which Jesus says we can't even see until we've been born again. But when we're born again and we come to Christ and we put our faith in him, all of a sudden our eyes can begin to be open and we can begin to see how the kingdom of God works and how the kingdom of God unfolds and we put our faith in him. And this is one of those places. This is just one of those places. So let me challenge you today to test God. If you, if you, know, if you, if you never give or just give occasionally, let me, let me, let me challenge you. Take the next six months and say, okay, every week I'm going I'm to do something. If you're giving a little bit, up it some. If you're giving 5%, give 7%. Start moving towards being obedient, fully obedient to God. God's, God. God gives us permission to test him in this. Because here's what I found as I test God. He blesses those who are obedient. Oh, it may not always be in dollars and cents, friends, but he blesses us in places where money can't buy. And sometimes he blesses us in other ways. Listen. If you're going to trust God, then give the way God tells you to give. If you're going to trust God, then pray when you face issues in life. Instead of getting mad, instead of getting angry, instead of trying to manipulate things yourself, take them to God and pray. God, how would you have me act? What would you have me do? How, what would you have me say? What does your word teach me about this? Instead of seeing life as something where others should serve you, if you're going to trust God, if you're going to put your faith in God, then begin to see your life as one who is meant to serve others, who, that, who's been placed on this planet and given gifts and abilities for the good of other people. 
and begin to look at your life and in spite of how the world acts or what the world does, ask yourself a simple question. Why am I here? Who am I to serve? Whose life does God want me to help today? And if you're going to be a person of faith, choose to love people. Choose to want the best for others. See, men and women of God, their hearts want to put God first. And when they put God first, it comes into their actions. And the actions that God wants us to do have to do with loving people, serving people, trusting him. Peter teaches us something great about Noah. He teaches us that Noah preached righteousness. The life that we live is called to preach righteousness. The world saw his actions, and he would preach the truth of the coming judgment even while they rejected him, even while they set him apart. Noah building the ark is an act of faith, and we too are given instructions, and our faith is reflected in our actions. James says it, faith without works is dead. Now today, we know the outcome. We know the outcome today, don't we? Noah put his faith, he built the ark for a hundred years, he put up with the ridicule and the rejection, he preached a, a fruitless message where no one got saved, no one put their trust in, in what he was saying, no one heeded the warning, he lived it and eventually he was shut up in that ark and the storms came. We know the outcome today, but for those hundred years, it was simply an act of faith, an act of trust. And today, we live on that side of the promises of God in many ways. We live on that side of eternity. We live on that side of some of the things God's called us to do and to accomplish. We live on the side where we have to have faith that God's word is true. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says this. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. Did you hear that? When you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Trust God in this day. God takes note of those who live by faith. We see that all throughout Hebrews chapter 11. Someday, someday it could be you 
Someday you will be marched before God. The angels of heaven will be there. Your generation of people will be there. Family and friends will be there. Those who made light of your faith may be there. Those who tried to discourage you may be there. Those who attacked you and ridiculed you and and didn't believe you may be there. Those that you touched their lives with your faith may be there. Those who you encouraged will be there. The Son will be there. The Father will be there. The Spirit will be there, manifestly present. And the Father and the Son tell us today that we will be commended by God if we remain faithful. I want to be a part of that number, don't you? I want to be a part of the number that remains faithful, that doesn't let the doubt sweep into my heart, but looks at the Word of God, obeys the Word of God, grabs a hold of the values of the Word of God, trusts the Word of God, and walks in faith. And here's where it begins. It begins when you put your faith in Jesus to be the Savior of your soul. The Bible stands in complete opposition to what our culture would tell us today about many ways to heaven. Jesus' words and the words of Scripture teach us simply that you must be born again, that this happens when you put your faith in Jesus who died on the cross for our sin, paying our price so that we could be reconnected to a living Savior and to a living God. We take that step by faith and we receive the grace of God. Friends, that's where it begins, the step of faith, to put your trust in Jesus as your Savior. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, today, Father, I'm aware the enemy does not want us to get this message that we are to live by pure faith in your word. But Lord, you tell us so clearly that it's impossible. It's impossible to please you without faith. That we've seen enough around us, we know enough, we hear your word that we should have faith. And that your spirit comes to convict us and to strive in our hearts. So today, Father, I pray for every believer in this room that, Lord, if there's some place in our life where we're not living by faith in you, we've chosen a wrong path. We've chosen a path that rejects your truth that today, right here in this place, we would choose to follow you. We would choose to put our faith in you in every way. In Jesus' name. It's every head bowed, every eye closed. Just to say, Pastor, as I stand here today, I'm a believer. I put my faith in Jesus. And today I just want to say to the Lord one more time, I trust you. I want to follow you. Show me any place where I'm not walking in faith. Show me any place where I'm not obeying your word. 
because I want to walk in obedience to you. If that's you, just lift both hands to the Lord and say, Lord, that's me right now. Just lift your hands and say, Lord, I want to be fully, fully, completely obedient to you in all ways, in every place. Father, we lift our hands to you as a sign to you that says to you today, Father, we're totally surrendered to your will. Father, we want to be Noah's in our day. We want to be men and women who walk in obedience to your word. Father, regardless of what the world would say, regardless of the pressure that would come against us. So in every way, Father, we surrender to you. If there's any place in our life, Father, where we are not totally, totally walking in faith, speak to our hearts, Lord, and guide us and touch us. Let your scripture come alive to us. Let us lay all things of the world down and pick up your truth. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So every head remains bowed, every eye remains closed for just a moment. If you're, as you're standing here today, you say, Pastor, as you've talked today, I've come, to this, I've come to this realization. I need to put my faith in Jesus to be my Savior. I need to trust him today. And I need to take a step of faith that he is the one and only way to heaven. And I want him to be the king and the ruler of my life. If that's you, just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, pray for me in Jesus' name. Would you do that right now in Jesus' name? I'm asking you just to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. Looking across this place today. You need to get your heart right with God right now in Jesus' name. Father, you know the condition of every one of our hearts. I pray that no one in this room would escape the call that there's only one way to heaven through Jesus, that we are saved by your grace through faith in his name. And Father, if there's someone who's not doing that, that today, Lord, they would surrender their heart fully to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Prayer teams, would you come down to the front right now? In just a second, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to give, the, give you a chance if you have a need to step out and come down and let somebody pray. If you have any kind of need at all, any kind of need at all, this is a step of faith. Come on down. Let somebody pray with you. If you're not sure your heart's right with God, come down and let somebody pray with you. Right now, as we sing this song, you step out and come in just a moment. Down this message. Love you. God bless you.